0: Uh, if you've got a Bible this morning, go ahead and open to Deuteronomy chapter six. If you're joining us this morning for the first time, or, or maybe it's been a couple of weeks, we're we're three weeks into a series called Leaving a Legacy." And we wanted to do a series that would encourage us as families and encourage us as parents or even grandparents, uh, to to invest in the next generation, or the next two or three generations. Uh, For the glory of God's sake, that that God has given us families, God has given us children uh, as a heritage, God has given us a a stewardship over our children and even our grandchildren, and and God expects us to invest in such a way that there's a a legacy of faith that gets passed on uh, from generation to generation. And and many of us probably know uh, in our family, our own circle of family, uh, there's probably people in, in your family that maybe had that type of spiritual influence on you or maybe you're a brand new Christian, you're like the first generation Christian, so to speak, in your family. Either way, uh, man, your faith matters, not only in your life, but it has an effect on other people. And so as we're, we're talking about this uh, series of le- leaving a legacy, we're rooting it out of the book of Deuteronomy. And, and you say, why would you go to the Old Testament book to, to do that? Well, God, God saved a group of people named Israel out of Egypt in the book of Exodus. God, God delivered them from bondage and, and from oppression from a, 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 a man named Pharaoh who is a type and a picture of the, the devil. And Egypt is a picture of sin. And, and God delivered miraculously this nation from Egypt through the shed blood of a lamb. And that sounds really familiar, doesn't it? It sounds familiar to us. If we're born again, we have the New Testament equivalent of that in Jesus Christ. His shed blood is what saves us, it delivers us, from our bondage of sin, from our uh, influence, if you will, under the devil. And, and God brought that nation of people out of Egypt, but then he brought them through the Red Sea. The Bible tells us that, that they got to the Red Sea. Moses spread out his rod over the sea. The waters parted. First Corinthians tells us there was a cloud above them and water on each side, and they passed through the Red Sea. And God called that a baptism. And, and again, that's something that as a New Testament Christian we can relate to because after salvation comes the act of obedience in baptism, right? That we follow the Lord and we identify with Christ in baptism. And then God brought them into this wilderness so that they would learn to trust him. They had to depend on God for food and for water and for leadership. And, and that's a process of, of maturing that every Christian needs to go through. And we call that process discipleship, Right? That, that after we get saved and after we follow the Lord in baptism, there has to be a, a maturing of our faith and dependency that God is able to provide for what we need when we need it. And, and if you study that wilderness wandering, man, there were some murmurings and some complainings and some doubt and some challenges. And yet God put a, a leader over Israel named Moses to, to give them God's word and to lead them to Canaan. And, and, and that's where kind of the picture breaks down because they had an opportunity to enter into this promised land called Canaan. And, man, they, they rebelled against God. And Canaan's not a picture of heaven. Canaan is a picture of spiritual maturity because in Canaan there were enemies that still needed to be defeated. But God gave Israel a land in Canaan. That's what his, his promise and his inheritance was for Israel. And, man, Israel rebelled against God and rebelled against God's leaders in their life, and and they failed to enter into the promised land. And so you know the story. Many of you know that they wandered in that wilderness for how many years? Forty years, right? And they just kept going in circles until that entire generation died in the wilderness. And there's a new generation. It was the children of this failed generation that we read about in Deuteronomy. And now these children of that failed generation have an opportunity to do what their fathers failed to do, enter into Canaan, enter into the very inheritance that God intended for the nation of Israel. And so, and so as we talk about parenting and we talk about investing in a, in a, a legacy of faith that, that passes from generation to generation, just know that, man, listen, whatever your circumstances are, even if they're less than ideal, God can still use you to make an impact. Th- these are the children whose fathers failed in their faith, and they died in the wilderness, and yet they have an opportunity to now take God's word and invest it in their families and their children, right, and to inherit what God has. So, so, so you may be a product of your nature and your nurture, but God is greater than both. And God, God is able to use you to impact your family mightily. And so this morning, maybe you're here and you don't have kids. I, I'm going to tell you, your faith still matters. Maybe you're, you're newly married and you don't have kids. Maybe you're a single adult today. You say, well, look, I'm checking out, man, because I'm not a parent. I don't want kids. I don't have kids. Listen, your faith can not only impact your physical family, but it can impact spiritual family, people that you lead to Christ, people that you can disciple. Your faith matters because it has the opportunity to influence generations. And so so we've been covering Deuteronomy 6 the last couple of weeks. Colin did a great job last week. I'm not going to rehash everything that that he had. He had about four sermons in that message. I listened to it while I was at the beach. And I was like, my goodness, that is an amazing amount of content. And so I'm going to clean that up and preach that one day. Uh, That's the inside joke for all the preachers. Like, oh, that's really good. I'm going to clean that up and preach that one day. So so it was really good, man. Colin did an awesome job last week. And so this morning we're going to pick up where Colin left off in Deuteronomy 6. And we're going to give us this morning a parenting practicum pertaining to God's precepts. And, And there's five practices that you and I as parents or as maturing Christians, need to perfect to make sure that we leave a legacy in the lives of other people. So let's look at it together. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 9. So Moses is instructing this next generation, and he says in verse 6, And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them as a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy, thy house and on thy gates. And so let's pray. We're going to talk about this together this morning, and then we'll dismiss. All right, let's pray together. Father, we, we really thank you, um, God, for the opportunity we have to be here. Thank you for, for our church. Thank you for our guests. Thank you for the families represented here. Uh, Lord, today we, we want to uh, have ears to hear. God, you have a word for us. You want to strengthen us and edify us through your word. And, uh, God, you may even want to convict us and challenge us. And so, uh, Lord, would, would right now uh, help us all to have an open heart and, and have ears to hear what your word would have to say to us today. Uh, and, Lord, whatever it is, give us, give us the courage and strength just to say yes. Let that right now, God, whatever, whatever, whatever lands in our lap from your word today, that we just go ahead and agree that that's what we need to do. We need to believe it. We need to act on it in faith. And, uh, Lord, I pray for our families and our children, and I pray that you, you help us to be biblical stewards of what you've given us. And we, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning we're, we're going to talk about five practices to perfect, to perfect you as a parent. But listen, even if you're not a parent today, these are five practices that are going to have an impact in your life. And so everybody in this room can learn from what we're going to learn about this morning. And so here's the five things that I think God has for us out of Deuteronomy chapter six. As Moses instructs the next generation, the first thing that he says is that these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And so number one in your notes is this, God wants us to know this morning that we need to be a consumer of God's words. And when I say the word consumer, I mean consumption. As in what you just did at the donut table just a few minutes earlier. Uh, I mean, I saw you working the donuts and the coffee and all those things. And man, you, you, you know what a good spread is and you partake of that. And, and Moses is commanding this generation. Remember, these are kids of a failed generation. Man, their fathers died in the wilderness. And what he's telling them is that they need to first and foremost, they need to have God's word in their hearts. And listen, let me give you the bad news up front this morning. The truth is that all of us in this room and everyone watching on the live stream today, listen, we all have a heart problem. We have a heart problem. And I'm not talking about the blockage you just got from the donut. Okay? I'm not talking about that. According to the Bible, we have an issue with our heart that God has a solution for. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9... That our heart, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it's des- des- desperately wicked. Who can know it? And listen, when we go to the Word of God, God tells us something about our heart that we would never come to the realization ourselves, right? We would never say that our heart, number one, is, is, is deceitful. We would never say that it's desperately wicked. And we would never say we can't know our heart. As a matter of fact, we would say the opposite. We would say things like, man, I know in my heart that this is true, right? That's what we say. I know in my heart that this is true. I trust in what I feel. I I know in my heart this is the right thing, or I know in my heart this is the right guy, or I know in my heart this is the right girl, or I know in my heart this is the right restaurant, whatever. And and yet God says, man, you, you can't trust your heart. You can't even know your heart. It's deceitful. It's desperately wicked. God even says our heart is so dark that you can't know it. And I know that comes as a shock to many of us because that's the thing that we trust in many times. God tells us in Proverbs 4 and verse 23 that we're to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And listen, as I look around the room this morning, I know that every one of you have issues You're welcome. Because I got issues. And the reason I have issues and you have issues is because you have a heart. And out of that heart come the issues of life. And listen, God says that your heart needs something to really be right. And what it needs is God's words. Because our heart is so deceitful and it's so wicked. And because out of our heart, Really, manifest the issues of our life. And listen, it's not your life circumstances, aren't your issues. Your family is not your issue. Your health is not your issue. Your government is not your issue. It's, your spouse is not your issue. Your children aren't your issue. Your issues and my issues are rooted in our heart. And God says, Man, our heart's kind of messed up. As a matter of fact, He says in Mark chapter 7. Verses twenty to twenty-three, he said, "That which cometh out of man, that defileth a man." Check this out. From within, out of the heart of men. Check this out. Proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceitful uh, deceit, lasciviousness. That's unbridled lust, an evil eye, blasphemy pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile the man. And so as God is, is preparing a generation to inherit what God intended for them to inherit, and as God is, is speaking to a generation of failed, failed fathers and in, 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 in inheriting what God had for them, God's solution to that generation and his solution to our messed up, deceitful, wicked, dark heart is that God's words would land there. God's words have to land there. God, God says this again in Deuteronomy 11. Don't look. It's not on the screen. But, but he says the exact same thing a few chapters later in verse 18. Deuteronomy 11 and verse 18. Therefore shall you lay up these, these my words into your heart and in your soul. So God's remedy for our heart and the issues of our heart Man, it's his word. It's his word. And and listen, there's a great parable in Luke chapter 18, and we don't have time to to really expound on that completely, but in Luke chapter 18 is this parable. It's the story of the seed and the sower. Do you guys remember that? you guys remember that story? And Jesus, Jesus is telling this story, this parable, and he talks about a sower went forth to sow seed, and as he sowed this seed, this seed fell on four different types of ground. And then he comes back in that chapter in verses 11 through 15, and he begins to explain that parable. And he says, listen, that seed that was sown, that was spread or dispersed, that seed is the word of God. And he says, listen, those by the wayside are they that hear the word of God, but the devil takes away the word out of their hearts. I'm telling you, man, this morning you need to know that as much as God wants the Word of God in your heart, there's an enemy that wants to steal it away. And can I just tell you that that happens every time, every single time. A sower of God's Word, a sower, a sower that, 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 that t- takes the Word of God, whether it's a discipler, a person that's doing evangelism, a pastor that's preaching, a Sunday school teacher, listen, you with your family when you take the Word of God and begin to sow it into the heart and lives of people, there is an enemy that is, is, is destined and, and desiring to steal that Word out of people's hearts. And I'm telling you, that battle's real even this morning. And as much as, as I want and God wants the Word of God to land in our hearts, listen, there's an adversary that wants to steal it away from our heart. Lest we should believe, and and for some of us, be saved. You know, you may not be saved this morning. God wants you to hear that Christ died for your sin, that he was buried, He rose again the third day, and you're able to be forgiven of your sin today. Listen, that message, man, the devil wants to keep that out of your heart. Don't let him do that. And it goes through all these different four types of ground, but I want to get to verse 15 because, because 15 is the good ground that the seed landed in. It says in verse 15, but on the good ground are they which with an honest and good heart, having heard the word, listen, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. And so listen, the key to getting God's word in our heart, in my heart, and in your heart, is number one, hearing it. We have to hear it. But number two, we have to keep it. If God gives you something today, if God reveals something through his word today to you, you need to keep it. And you need, to, you need to bind that thing in your heart, man. Keep it in your heart because listen, you have a, a purpose and a plan and an inheritance to fulfill with God. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life and the key to that is not, is not your own natural heart. It's, it's not that deceitfully wicked and desperate heart that you think you can trust in. You gotta trust in God's word. You gotta trust in his word no matter what. And let me encourage you, listen, God's words are available to get into our heart. And listen, they're redi- readily available and accessible today. Okay, and, and, and I don't mean just on the screen. Like, okay, they're, they're available for all of us. A, a matter of fact, later in Deuteronomy, this passage is so powerful. Again, Moses in, is instructing this generation. And in Deuteronomy 30, he goes through all these commandments and he says, listen, these words need to be in your heart And he says in verse 11, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 11, he says, For this commandment which I command thee this day, listen, it's not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. You know, sometimes when we come to church, man, we we fail to realize how readily available God's word is to us. And and I know you carry a Bible, man, and I know you got it on your phone, but can I just tell you, listen, it's so available that we miss it. It's so available that we miss it. And so Moses is telling this generation, listen, it's not hidden from you. It's not far off from you. Verse 12 says, it's not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it down to us that we may hear it and do it. You don't have to go searching in heaven to find God's words. And he he, he goes on to say in verse 13, neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? And Moses is just saying, listen, it's not somewhere that you can't reach in heaven, and it's not in some faraway land that somehow, some way you can't access and get to. Verse 14 says, But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. And listen, here's what I know about me and here's what I know about you. Sometimes we say things like, man, I just wish God would speak to me. I wish God would just show me what I'm supposed to do. I wish God would just make it clear. I wish God would give me wisdom and and counsel regarding my situation. I wish God would speak to me regarding my children or or my job or my feelings or my marriage or my finances or my emotions or my hormones or whatever else you can put in the blank. And listen, listen. Sometimes we think that God is so far away, he's in heaven above, or he's in some other far land, and we just can't hear from him. And I'm just telling you guys, listen, God's word is so near to us. As a matter of fact, it's available. Man, we have access to it. It is very nigh, I would say less than 24 inches, <laughs> when you open the Bible. I don't, I don't know how much more near it can get. The issue is the accessibility is there. The availability is there. It's just got to get in your heart. And that's the struggle, man, in, in ministry, right? It, it's the struggle in church. It's the struggle in, in, as a, being a Christian because we can hear God's word, but it never land where it needs to land. We can hear it, but, man, the devil can take it away. We can hear it, and the cares of this world can choke it out. We can hear it, but it never take root or we can hear it and receive it into our heart and keep it, and man, God will change our life. And God will change not only our life, but he'll change our family's life. He'll change our ministry. But it all starts with us consuming God's word. And so here's the question. Will the words that God gives us today and gives you, gives you today, will it be in your heart after 1130? Because we'll, we'll eat lunch in just a little bit. You can buy my lunch if you want. Well, I got lunch plans, but, but the people I'm eating lunch with, I mean, I'm, I'm joking about buying my lunch. Man, listen, we're going we're to get about our day in just a few minutes. But, man, God's given us his word right now. The question is, is, is this word going to be in our heart? Are we going to sit down like Code taught us a couple of weeks ago, and are we going to seek God in prayer, and are we going to search out the scriptures that he gives us today? And are we going to study out what doesn't make sense? And are we going to scribble down notes in our Bible and seek the Lord that, that, man, God, you gave me something today, now what do I do with this? We, we as parents, I, specifically as parents, this is so instrumental because we can't reproduce what we aren't. Okay, so, so if we have a love and a longing for God's Word, we're going to be able to invest our word the Word of God into our children right into our grandchildren, but if we don't have a love and a longing for God's word, if we aren't consumers of God's Word, if we don't have a desire personally to be a worshiper of god man we we're not going to be able to reproduce worshipers of God and and, and the danger in our culture is that that we produce everything but that we we produce church attenders right we 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 produce people that serve in church. And I think you should attend church and I think you should serve in church. But at the end of the day, it's out of an attitude of worship that you do those things. It's not obligation. It's worship. You want us, you want to worship and serve and, and be with the person that saved you from your sin because you love him and you're thankful for what he's done. We can't teach what we don't know and we won't talk about what we don't love. And so listen, man, the key to all of this and the key to parenting is really letting God's word get into our heart. That's what it is. Okay, so, so now let's, let's move to the next thing and, and because we hardly have any time left on that first point. So number one, we need to be a consumer of God's word. Number two, we need to be a communicator of God's word. Okay, so look at verse seven. So God says, okay, get that word in your heart first. And then in verse seven, it says, Thou shalt teach them... Diligently unto thy children. And the them, I just want you to pay attention, free English lesson this morning, but the word them in verse 7 points back to the words in verse 6. So God says, once those words are in your heart, then you should teach them diligently unto your children. And so get this key in your notes. God wants you to teach what's in your heart. And I already know what you just thought in your mind. You say, man, I'm not a teacher, Jay. I'm not a singer, and I'm not a teacher. And so let me push a button or something. Okay, listen, we need button pushers. That's fine. But listen, God said that if you've got something in your heart, you have the capacity to teach it. And specifically, you as a parent, you as a father, you as a mother, you have something in your heart that your kids need. As a matter of fact, the sooner you get God's Word in your own heart, the better off your kids are going to be. Hello? The sooner you get God's Word in your heart, the better off your kids are going to be. You say, well, I don't have kids, Jay, so quit preaching to me because this doesn't apply. Well, listen, you, you ought to strive to have spiritual children if you don't have physical children. You ought to be able to... Share the gospel with people if you're saved. You ought to be evangelistic. And and, and Paul even said in Philemon in verse 10, when he talks about this this young man named Onesimus, he says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. And, And listen, Onesimus was Paul's spiritual son. And Paul was in bondage physically, and yet God allowed him to be fruitful in the midst of his adversity And he won a young man to Christ, and Paul said, that is my spiritual son. And because he's my son, he needs God's words, right? So listen, we we need to be willing to teach what's in our heart. If we don't have it in our heart, we can't teach it. So God expects us to teach it. Number two, the key in in your notes, the second key is this. God wants us to teach what what is in our heart. He wants us to teach it diligently, diligently. And that word, diligently, is an adverb. Again, free English lesson this morning. But it's an adverb. It tells us how we are to teach God's Word. And listen, if that verse wasn't in the Bible, you could teach it however you wanted. You could teach it as inconsistently as you wanted, as infrequent as you wanted. You could Whatever you set the standard for for your home would be appropriate. But God didn't give you that freedom. God actually said, listen, when you teach your kids, you need to teach them diligently. That's how we're to teach our children. And so there's a, there's a man in Acts chapter 18 named Apollos. And, and Apollos gets a bad rap from a lot of Bible scholars because he was, teaching, uh, he was teaching what he had, but he didn't have all the news. He didn't have all the information. So let's look at it real quick. Acts chapter 18, the Bible says this man, he was a, he was a Jew named Apollos. He was born in Alexandria. He was an eloquent man. He was mighty in the Scriptures. He came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the Spirit, and he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, listen, knowing only the baptism of John. So if you're new to maybe the book of Acts, the baptism of John kind of ended early in the book of Acts for Israel. And he's still teaching it toward the end of the book of Acts. But what he is doing is he's teaching diligently what he knows. So you can give him a bad rap all you want, but here's what I do know about it he, he was diligent in what he had. He was faithful in what he had. And, and listen, if you'll be faithful in what you have, God can give you more. And so in Acts 18 and verse 26, God brings this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, into his life. They heard him preaching. They took him aside and they say, hey, bro, man, that's good, but here's more. Here's more, Here's better. And they expounded unto him the word of God more perfectly, and this guy was humble, he was teachable, he was hungry for more of God's word, and listen, when he got it, do you know what he did with it? He taught it diligently. Acts 18 and verse 28, he mightily convinced the Jews and publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. And so here's the point, whatever you have right now, God wants you to be diligent with. And and God's only going to be able to give you more when you're diligent now. You say, man, I'm scared to teach children. I'm scared to teach my children. I don't know what to teach them. What is in your heart today? The gospel ought to be in your heart today. So we can start there. Now, if you're not saved, man, I want to encourage you. Listen, you need to respond to the invitation that Christ gives every man to come to him as Lord and Savior and to, to receive forgiveness of sin through his shed blood, listen, that needs to be in your heart because you need to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And once that's in your heart, man, that ought to be, that ought to be the first thing that we teach anybody. Uh, don't we struggle in evangelism? Can we get real for a second right here? Uh, isn't it interesting that the very thing that we believe on for eternal salvation in the person of Jesus Christ, the gospel message is the very thing that many of us struggle to communicate effectively or communicate at all, ever. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but but a good question to ask is how many times have you ever shared the gospel with another human being? I'll even go a step further and and say, man, how many of you have, have shared the gospel with any creature? I mean, preach the gospel to your stinking cat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, those things aren't going to heaven anyway, so you might as well preach the gospel to it. I mean, I'm sorry. I know i got cat people in the room, and I just lost you right now, and, and I'm sorry. Oh, the cats. Okay, what? Whatever. Man, use that, use that animal as a recipient of you preaching the gospel and get comfortable doing it because it ought to be in your heart. And, man, we have to do things like evangelism workshops, and we have to teach through discipleship evangelism, and we have to, we have to put a huge program and process to get the saints of God to just share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on. It's in our heart. So let's just go teach it diligently. Right? Let's just teach it diligently because that's what God's commanded us to do. So, so, so as it relates, let's get back to parenting because I'm meddling now. But, but here's the point. God wants us to teach diligently what's in our heart specifically to our children. That goes in your blank or your children. God has put this unique role in the family, called the parent. To take God's word and to teach it to children. And so, and so the second blank in your notes is this. God's primary instrument to get God's word to children is a parent. It's a parent. It is apparent that it's a parent. And that just came to me and I just couldn't help keep it in. So there you go. So, so look at Deuteronomy 6 because here's the sequence that we see. Moses gave those commands to who? The parents. And Moses tasked those parents to give it to who? The children. And I'm telling you, man, you're not going to break God's design. You're not going to break God's sequence when you mess up the pattern. Man, God will mess you up. God didn't give it to a, a, a student minister. God didn't give it to a children's leader. God gave it to Moses, who was the the leader of Israel, and Moses gave it to the parents. And God said, you better teach your children. Because listen, when a parent teaches a child, it's going to reinforce what's already been taught by the leader. And so the New Testament application for us today is the same thing, man. We don't have Moses, but we do have pastors. And God gives us what we need God gives us what we need as parents, as as spiritual parents, as maturing Christians, and God gives us the responsibility to take what we've been given and teach it to our children, both physically and spiritually. And listen, in both instances, Old Testament and New Testament, God uses a leader to get the Word of God to the people of God. But man, listen, you are tasked to get it to your children. You're tasked. And, And so here's the part of the sermon that will get really uncomfortable. You ready? God did put parents in a, in a home, but men, specifically God put fathers in the home. And so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the role of the father in the home. God tells us very clearly in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, "...ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath." But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You're not going to get around it, fathers. You're not going to get around it. And and I'm, I'm for you, man. I'm for us as fathers. We have been tasked with a tremendous privilege, but we've been tasked with a tremendous responsibility as fathers to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it will only happen if God's word gets into our hearts first. So we need to be about learning God's Word, consuming God's Word, being serious about discipleship, being serious about receiving what God has for us every Sunday. It's got to get into our heart so we can be a true worshiper of God. And as a result of that, we have something to give our children. Man, in our culture of jacked-up Christianity, we've relegated that to the wives and to the mothers. And that's not God's design. And you can argue it all day you want, but you're not going to be able to take this Bible and prove it. God's given the man of the home, the father of the home, the father of the children. God's tasked him with the responsibility to bring children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11 says this. Paul writes and he says, You know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you. Listen, as a father doth... His children. Fathers are to exhort their children, they're to comfort their children, and they're there to charge their children with the Word of God. How are we doing, dads? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 15, Paul says, Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. And I know it's not Father's Day, and I know I'm not really trying to beat up us as fathers. I'm trying to encourage us and help us understand that when a father invests the word of God into his children, he prepares them and leads them in such a way that eventually his children will be ready to be pastored and led by other God-ordained leadership in their life. You see, when a father leads his home and invests the word of God into his wife and to his children, what he's doing is preparing his family and especially his children. He's pastoring his family in such a way that God will now use other God-ordained and qualified leadership through local church ministry to lead his family as they mature, as they get older. And can I just tell you, listen, here's the reality. We know it's the reality, but we we can't ignore it. When a father fails to invest the word of God into his children, man, there's a danger of rebellion and resistance from that child receiving God's word from anyone else, including the pastor, including the children's leader, including the student leader. And and man, listen, I know how it works, man, in homes, because this ain't my first rodeo. Well, if that church would just do a better job teaching God's word into my, my kids' life. They'd get it. And I'm not saying any of you have ever said that. But maybe. And listen, man, don't be, don't be blaming the church and don't be blaming the pastors and don't be blaming the leaders in children's ministry or, or, or student ministry or any other ministry. Don't blame anybody well, without a, a heavy examination of the home first. Man, and fathers, man, let's do this thing together. Let's encourage each other as men. Man, we, we have been tasked with a great responsibility. The truth is that the judgment seat of Christ, your wife and your, your children's mother aren't going to be standing and giving an account of how they led the home with the Word of God. You will. You'll give an account. And moms, wives slash moms, let your husband lead. You see, because God's never going to hold you in account for leading the home, and God's not going to hold you account for investing the word of God in your children. He's going to hold you in account of submitting to your husband and being his helpmeet as he leads the home. Are we okay? Are we okay? Man. We've got to be conversational about the Word. Man, we've got to get it out of our heart into the lives of our children. That means as men, we need to grow and mature in the Word of God. We have a process of discipleship that is just the beginning, man. It's the tip of the spear to get you ready to become a worshiper of God yourself and to invest the Word of God into your home. You can do it, man. And, and the reason I know you can do it is because God said so. God said so. And he, he has uniquely crafted you and positioned you to be the, 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 the light bearer, if you will, <laughs> in your home and to bring the word of God. Okay, number three, we're never going to get done. I hope you guys packed a lunch this morning. Uh, we'll go quick right here. Number three, we need to learn to be conversational about God's word. Look at, look at verse 7, the last half of that verse, right? Look at verse 7. It says, We shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And again, God says that we're to teach God's word, but then he also comes back around and he says we're to talk about those words. And, and, and I know teaching and talking are two different things because they're spelled different, right? You guys okay with that? English lesson? Lots of English this morning. Man, God, God says as much as we teach God's word, we ought to come back around and talk about what was taught. And so I think this is in your notes. Where teaching denotes instruction, talking denotes application, in other words, how does this make sense in my life? How does how do I take this, invest it in my children, and how do they apply it starting today? Because if there is no application, it just becomes information. Can I just tell you that there are a lot of no offense young 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 people in the room, but I'm about to say some things. There is no shortage of young people that can quote all kind of Bible stories. The problem is they have no clue how it applies to their life. They have no clue. They can tell you about, they can tell you about the Passover Lamb. They can tell you about Daniel. They can tell you about Jonah. They can tell you about all the different stories. But the reason that they have no application is because all we've done is taught, but we haven't come back around and, and all we've done is taught, but we haven't come back around and talked about, man, how does this apply to your life? And listen, without understanding of application, there's of no value and no impact. And ultimately no transformation. And so God gives us four environments, and we don't have time to to exhaust this, but God gives us four environments that we ought to be with our kids, and our kids ought to be with us. And listen, if the father is the primary instructor, and he is, then men especially, we need to understand that these are times in our kids' life where we need to be present. Number one, when we sit in the house. And, and, And listen, there is a time to sit together as a family, and there's a time to sit with your children. See, our presence in the home is a must. And we live in a culture, listen, where all we do is go, 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 right? We fill our schedule with all kinds of things. We have to work, we have to eat, we have to do our hobbies, we have to do our sports, we have to do our things, we have to make out at least four hours a night at Netflix. Listen, there is a time in our life where we need to come together as a family and sit down together, stop running around and running away from the things that God has for you. And you, you, need to, you need to sit at night with your family around the dinner table. Do people still do that? We do it. And here's why we do it. Because God says, listen, you need to spend time together. We're going to be eating in different parts of the room or at different parts of the house. Kids eating in their bedroom. Parents eating on the couch. Nobody actually sits down together. Are you kidding me? Everybody's just doing their own thing. No, God says, and, and men, listen, God says we need to be at the home. So we can't invest in our family, and we can't invest in our children if we're not there. But when we're there, we need to be there. We need to be there when we're there. Okay, secondly, he says, when you walk us by the way, and again, directed to parents, But let me just make the application to us as fathers. Listen, when we're walking by the way, that means that our children should be with us while we're walking. In other words, they ought to be a part of our life. And as we go through life, man, they they shouldn't be somehow isolated in their room or in their house all day long. But as we carry out the the business of life, they ought to be with us. They ought to be going to the store with us. They ought to be coming to church with us. They ought to be about the things that we're about. And as we're walking in the way, we're able to teach our children how biblical principles apply to their life. Does that, are you guys okay with that? Number three, when, when thou liest down. And, and, and listen, you know, that's when you go to sleep. Like some of you are ready to do that right now, but we're, we're, way, we're, not, we're not ready yet. When thou liest down, we ought to be talking about God's word at bedtime with our kids. We ought to be praying with our kids, men. We ought to be assuring them from God's word about his care and protection over them during the night, even even if they don't understand it yet. Man, we, we learned from, from close friends when we had kids. We we watched how they handled themselves as a family. We were very grateful to have people in our life that we could kind of look at their life and, and watch them live out their faith and We'd be over at their house because we were, we were a young married couple. We didn't have kids yet, and so we'd be at their house talking about ministry and planning stuff. And, man, the leader of the home would say, hey, man, i got to go pray with my kid. I'll be back in a few minutes. And he'd go upstairs, and he'd be gone for like 15 minutes, praying with his kids, putting his kids to bed. He, he, he's, he's teaching them while they're laying down who God is, and let's go to God in prayer, and let's, let's claim the promises of God's word over their life. And, and man, and man he, he prioritized that even with people in his house. Uh, you just hang out. I'll be back in a minute. And if you need to leave, leave. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pray with my kids, right? And, and so we learned that. We, we learned that, man, God's given us this gift, and, and, and we started praying over our kids when we didn't even, man, they couldn't understand it. They didn't know what we were saying. But, man, we'd pray over them every night. We still pray with them every night. We want them to know what God's word says. We want them to trust God in his word. Proverbs 3 and verse 24 says this, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down in thy sleep shall be sweet. And man, for our children, we need, to, we, need to, we need to remind our children of God's promises. Man, when we're sitting in the house, when we're, we're taking them with us, and we're walking by the way, and when they lay down, and, and listen, this is the one I don't like, when thou risest up, and if you know me, you know I'm not a morning person. <laughs> Alex, no comment. <laughs> Alex has been on a few mission trips with me, and somehow survived. I don't know how he did that. Alex is Alex is the guy that wants to talk about Jesus when he first wakes up. And I want to punch him in the mouth. I'll be honest with you. I don't. (laughs) So he he is an example of somebody that rises up and is excited about the Lord. And I'm still working on that. I don't want to talk to anybody. But man, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity for us to invest in our children. Okay, let's get done. Number four. So we need to communicate God's word. Number four, we need to be cautious because of God's word. We're, we're, we're going to wind this thing down quick. Look at verse eight. God says, "Bind that word as a as a sign upon your hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Take those words and, and put them on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes." And, and and listen, God God wants you to take His word that's in your heart, and He wants you to put it on your hand. And man, we're out of time. But let me just tell you, God God designed men. God designed humanity to labor with our hands. Right? He, it's the things that we do. And so God's word not only should be in our heart, but it ought to be the thing that governs what we do with our life. And men especially, as fathers in our home, it ought to govern our career. It ought to govern our our choices for our home. It's tied to exactly the labor that we labor with our hand. But he also says that that word should be as frontlets between your eyes. In other words, it ought to govern and filter not only what we do, but it ought to filter what we allow into our life. In order to govern what we see. You know, Luke 11 says that the light of the body is the eye. And, man, your eyes have a tremendous impact on your life. Whatever you let in, man, it, it can either be the light of God's word or it can be darkness. It can be evil. Your eyes will affect the rest of your body. And we need to be careful with that. We need to let God's word be the thing that governs our labor. It needs to govern what we see. It needs to be the lens. Through which we view this world and the things in this world. And and I got a lot more, and we don't have time. And then number five, we need to be a copier of God's word. And you say, man, that's a weird blank. Yeah, for sure. Look at verse nine. Here's a weird verse. It says this Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Wow. In other words, take God's word and write them down. Write down the words that are in your heart. And again, we started talking about how we got to consume God's Word. And once we consume it, listen, we need to teach it. And then we need to talk about it. And we need to guard our hand and our eyes with it. And then God says, take it a step further. Write down His words. Now listen, I almost wanted to, I almost, you know, I'm a jerk. I mean, no amen right there, please. But but I almost wanted to just close your Bible this morning, flip your notes on the backside on that blank spot. And say, man, start writing down the words that you've hid in your heart. How much of God's word that has, has landed in your heart could you, could you take from pen to paper? Well, man, John 3.16, brother. <laughs> okay. And we probably wouldn't even get that one all the way right. Some of us, right? We, you know, it's a tricky verse. Man, I want you to understand it's not a foreign concept for for God's people to write out God's word. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 27, God God tells the future leaders of Israel, hey, when you get over into Canaan, you're going to set up some stones. You're going to plaster those stones. And what you're going to do is you're going to write a copy of God's word in those stones on the other side of Jordan. He says in Deuteronomy 27 and verse 8 that thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law very plainly. And then when you read Joshua chapter 8, when they got over there, it says he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. Man, Joshua was a scribe of God's word. You want to be a future leader, not only in your home but in ministry? You need to get so intimate with God's word that you even love to write it. You say, man, that's dumb. I wrote sentences in in school. Man, that was punishment. I don't want to write sentences. Can I just tell you there's something about writing down every word of God. There's something about interacting with every punctuation mark. There's something about writing a chapter of Scripture and writing a book of Scripture. And listen, if you've never done it, you need to do it because it reinforces what's in your heart God even said for kings that they were to copy out their own copy of the law. Deuteronomy 17 says that when when Moses is talking to Israel, he says, listen, when you get into Canaan, you're going to want a king like everybody else. And here's what that king has to do. He has to write him a copy of the law of this in a book, of this law in a book, out of that which is before the priests of the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life. You have to write your own copy. Maybe we should include that in discipleship here's your, you know, you can't pass discipleship one unless you write your own copy of, okay, we'll, we'll narrow it down, the New Testament, right? Man, and, and God told him to write a copy of God's word so that one, that he would learn to fear God. Two, that he would keep all the words of the law. And three, that his heart wouldn't be lifted up of his, above his brethren. man. What's interesting is God says for parents, write my word. That's kind of cool, and we could talk about the post and we could talk about the gates, man. Post when you find you say in the Bible many times point back to doors, the post of the door. But gates also have posts, walls have posts, gates are points of access and egress in our homes and in our families, and the point is, man, the word of God ought to govern all that. The word of God ought to be such a priority in our homes that, man, it governs everything that happens. So as parents, God's tasked us with an amazing opportunity. God's tasked us with an amazing privilege. Man, we're to take God's word, and and number one, it's got to be in our heart. But once it's in our heart, we can take it to the people that are most important to us. That's our children, our grandchildren. Let me encourage you, listen, if you're a grandparent today, you got some stuff in your heart that your grandkids need. You need to take that word that's in your heart, man, and invest it in your grandchildren. And maybe, maybe man, your kids, it skipped a generation, and maybe they didn't get it the way they needed to get it. But listen, if God's given you influence of grandchildren, invest that word into them. And be a good steward of what God has given you. And let's all, as parents and even as, as Christians, man, let's just, let's just desire to be perfect. Let's desire to be mature in the Lord. Amen. God's given us a tremendous gift in his word. Let's be good stewards of it. All right, let me pray for us and we'll get out of here. Father, thank you for the morning. Lord, as, as we close down and just consider these things, I, p- I pray, Father, your word has, has had free course this morning. God, some of us maybe, number one, we may not know Christ as our Lord and Savior. We, we may have never came to the place where we realized that we were a sinner separated from you. And God, maybe your words landed in our heart today. We need, to, we need to come to Christ personally and believe on him to save us from our sin. If there's someone here today like that, God, I pray for them, Lord, that they would respond rightly to you. God, for the Christians in the room, we need to take our responsibility seriously. Thank you that you give us your word. Thank you that it's not far from us. It's nigh to us. God, help it to be in our heart today. Help us to desire to walk out of here. And the things that we talked about today, God, may it be in our heart next week. And then, God, help us to have a heart for our children. God, for the fathers in the room, I pray that you equip us, God. Strengthen us. Help us to be strong in your word so that we can teach our wives and teach our children. God, that we can model right leadership in our home. We can model Christ's leadership in our life through our, through our testimony with our family. And God, we can prepare our children to be shepherded and led by other men of God that, that have your word and want to invest it in them. Father, we're just thankful for your goodness today. With your